may be seated. Good morning. Um, my name is Paula, and I am an assistant pastor here at Free Church, and I am a part of our speaking team, and I still want to call it Fellowship Church every time I'm on stage. Um, so, good morning. We're glad you're here. I'm glad that it's sunny outside, even if it is really, really cold. So, Anthony and Susan, our senior pastors, they are out on vacation this week. Um, I believe they were in somewhere warm and tropical. So they got warmth and sunshine. But um, he will be back next week, and I am filling in this week for him. So first, I have uh, an announcement. We are doing our holiday giving campaign. And so this is um, our third or fourth year doing it. And basically, it came out of this heart to serve families and to serve them well. Um, free Church did 10 years of Thanksgiving dinners, um, free community, we would put them on, people would come. And about four years ago, we our heart started to change and we wanted to give families a more um, normal way to celebrate their holidays. So what we do is we raise funds and then we give families um, gift cards to buy their own Thanksgiving and their own Christmas dinner, but also to buy gifts for their children. And this is because um, we want families to be able to celebrate the holidays with their own traditions, not someone else's tradition that they give them. But we also believe that parents know their children best, and we want to support parents in loving their children by allowing them to go and to purchase um, the toys for their children instead of strangers buying toys and then um, people in the community being the the person who gave these gifts but it's actually the parents so this year we're we doubled our amount we're raising ten thousand um, dollars and this roughly splits into about five thousand at thanksgiving time which is this next week and then five thousand at christmas um, we give a little bit more at Thanksgiving so that families can start to buy gifts. And so we actually give a little less at Christmas because what we're funding is more the meal. But please give to this. We're about a quarter of a way to our goal. Um, but I actually want to share a story with you about a young woman that we've supported um, through the holiday sponsorships uh, for all four years that we've been doing it. And her name is Rose, and she is a young... Um, single mom and she lives here in Salem and we met Rose through an organization that used to exist called Pole Gems that ministered to men and women in the adult entertainment industry and Rose was in the adult entertainment industry she is now out of the adult entertainment industry but she is a single mom of three young girls all of her girls are under the age 11 and she, um, she works, she cares for her girls. She also cares for her mother, who is, um, has some chronic illness, and they live in the same apartment complex. So she works, she, she's a mother, but she's also caring for her family. And every year we've been able to bless Rose with this sponsorship. Um, <clears throat> she does not ask for the sponsorship. She, it really is that we choose to bless her and her family. Um, and... Rose is a very generous person on top of all of these other things that she has in her life. Um, and she regularly asks how she can donate to people in need. She's asked to donate to our church, and we have um, not taken that money, but we have referred her to other organizations to support people. But this year she also um, 
was an emergency foster care for two extra girls um, for about six weeks. So this is just a woman who is very loving and very giving, and these are the types of families that we're supporting, good people in our community who just need a little blessing at the time of the holidays. So there are some ways that you can give today. You can give in person, um, like Ladina said, at the give boxes, or just the easiest way is to text a dollar amount to the word holiday. Um, and if you could do that this week so that we can start to give out these sponsorships um, before Thanksgiving, which is like four days away. So today we're going to continue in the series, um, Little Kids, Big Faith. And we're actually in the book of John. Um, and so John 6, after this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd followed him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up to the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. The Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. And lifting up his eyes then, seeing that the large crowd was coming towards him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so these people may eat? And Jesus said this to test him, for he himself knew what to do or what he would do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread would not be enough for each of them to get a little. And 200 denarii was about um, half a year's worth of wages. And so um, I'm going to pray really fast. Lord, we love you. And God, we just thank you that, um, like this verse says, that you you know before what you will do. And Lord, I know that you know what you will do here today. And so, God, I just ask that you would, um, you would be with us and that your spirit would be here, Lord, and that it would not be my words, but it would be your words and that our hearts would be softened to you in your name. So um, I love food. And, I, and I, I mean, I really love food. Like, I have to stop myself from taking Instagram pictures of my food um, because I love everything about food. I like grocery shopping. Um, I have favorite grocery stores, and I have, like, they're ranked, um, and I have said about Trader Joe's, it just feels like I'm on a vacation. Um, I love shopping for food. I love going out to eat, like, to buy food. Um, I love to make food. I love the idea of growing food. I am not good at growing food, but the idea, I really like that idea, and I really like the image of me in overalls with a basket of carrots. Um, but most of all, I love to eat food. And I love to eat food with other people. Um, and so I have friends who are food people also. Um, and Anthony, our senior pastor, is not a food person. And so um, our previous kids pastor, Bridget Freshour, she was a food person. And when she went on maternity leave, I would stop bringing snacks. And Anthony was like, why don't, why don't you bring snacks for Ladina and I? And I was like, do you even eat? Like, <laughs> um, so that was the whole thing. Anthony does eat, in fact. Um, I didn't know. And so, <laughs> but I love food. I love to buy snacks. Um, I recently went to a friend's, and I knew that we were really friends because they had Trader Joe's snacks for me. They were like, we knew you were coming, so we went to Trader Joe's. Um, 
and I could just feel the peacefulness from them being at Trader Joe's. So I don't like to go places where there isn't food. Um, I complain a lot about it. Um, we went to a conference in LA a couple years ago, and I was mad. I was like, they don't have coffee on hand, they don't have a snack table, and Anthony and Ladino were like, you're the only one mad. <laughs> And I spent hundreds of dollars on snacks that trip. Um, so I love food. And when I first read this, I was like, Jesus, you can't have a conference without food. You can't have, you can't have no snacks. Like, and in these, in these moments, I realized that I am like the nation of Israel, where I would have showed up, I would have been like, there's no food, I got to go. Okay, and I would have missed Jesus because there wasn't, pastries and fruit. Um, but actually, when I reread the text, it says that this crowd just followed Jesus, like he left and went off, and they were like, we're going to go with him. So it wasn't actually his fault that there was no snacks. Um, so, so Jesus sees this large crowd. He knows that he has to have snacks because Jesus is probably a foodie also. And he turns to one of his disciples, but it says that he knows, he already knows what he's going to do. He already knows what's going to happen. And so he's testing his disciple, like I test Ladina, is there snacks? Um, and he says, how can we buy bread for them? And his disciple, Philip, he's like, we'd need a giant sum of money. And even that would only give them a little bit. And so Ladina, I did not spend half a year's wages on the Friendsgiving. So you can't be mad at me. I spent less than that. Um, I, I'm doing the snacks for Friendsgiving. It's going to be great. So, um, but then what seems like movie timing, okay, so Jesus turns to Philip, what how are we going to buy these people food? Philip's like, I don't know. That's a huge sum of money, and we don't have it. Another disciple, Andrew, comes up to tell them that he has found food. So uh, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, there is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, have the people sit. Now there was much grass in this place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. And Jesus took the loaves, and after he had given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated. So also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments, that nothing will be lost. And so we have Philip again. He tells Jesus, this is too much money. We can't do it. And then Andrew comes up and he's like, hey, I found some, but it's only five loaves and two little fish. And I actually have a picture of what this might have looked like, if that can be shared. Delicious. Um, barley loaves, that's a choice. So, um, and Andrew actually says, what is this for so many? Like, Andrew doesn't believe that this is going to be enough, because it's not. It's five little loaves and a couple of little fish. Um, and so this is not a feast. This is a young boy's lunch. Um, and as a mom with two little boys, this is probably like his second lunch or maybe his second breakfast, you know, maybe some elevensies. This is not the only meal this child is eating. Um, the first thing my kids asked me today was for bread. Just bread. Can we have some bread? Sure. 
Um, they won't eat fish, though. And so Jesus takes this food. The little boy gives up his lunch um, to Jesus. And I wonder if this little boy was just like, Jesus, the cool teacher, he's going to eat my lunch. Like, I, I just wonder what, I don't think he was prepared for what Jesus was going to do with his lunch. Um, Jesus prays for the food. He thanks God for the food. And I just imagine his disciples, and I imagine this because this would have been me, I imagine his disciples like standing behind him while he's praying, like rolling their eyes, like, why is he thanking God? This is not, an, this isn't even enough for the 12 of us. Why? Um, and then he, he tells the disciples to start handing out the food. The crowd eats its fill, and Jesus then instructs his disciples to collect leftovers. And it says, they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. And when the people saw the sign he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And so this little boy, he's only mentioned in this one little verse. Um, so why, why are we talking about him thousands of years later? And there's, um, as I was studying, there's discussion on was this little boy like trying to sell food or was this his lunch or what? Why was this little boy here? And I, I do believe that this little boy was here to see Jesus and he packed a snack. Um, and as a mom, I have to pack 12 snacks for my kids if we're gone for more than an hour. So this seems like a mom was like, you're going to be hungry. Let me throw something together and send him on his way. Um, and so he, he was prepared for this day to see Jesus. And nothing takes God by surprise. God was not surprised that there was 5,000 men, probably closer to 15,000 people, coming to see Jesus. Even Jesus wasn't surprised. It says right away he knew what he would do. And God was not surprised that this little boy would be there and that he would have this little lunch. And he was not surprised that the disciples didn't think that it was enough. Um, and so in our life, it's so easy to write things off as coincidence and um, to just be like, oh, well, that's weird that that happened. But it wasn't coincidence that this little boy was there. It wasn't coincidence that Andrew found him. It doesn't say if he was like standing nearby or if they had been in the crowd looking for him. But either way, it wasn't coincidence. And um, this was a divine appointment. God had orchestrated this. God knew that this would happen. And this is a divine appointment like when David shows up um, with supplies for his brother and he, as Goliath, is starting his tirade against Israel and against Israel's God. And it's a divine appointment like when the evil king Sisera runs away from the battle and he arrives at a tent that he believes is friendly and he believes that he will have rest and safety. And it's a divine appointment like Esther becoming queen as Haman begins a plot to kill and eradicate the Jews in Persia. And so sometimes we just walk through life just unaware that God is working in us and working through us. And um, 
Steve Sampson talks, talked about this a few weeks ago when he visited. He talked about how sometimes we kill what the Spirit wants to do because we're, we're like, well, we don't have anything to give. or We're not spiritual enough. We're not X or Y. Um, but this little boy just had a little lunch. And none of us are too unimportant for God to utilize. He utilized a little boy. Um, and so there's this popular saying when you're going through a hard time, someone might tell you, well, God won't give you more than you can handle. And that's untrue. And this story is a great example because this little boy didn't have enough food to feed 15,000 people, but he had food. And with God, it was able to feed 15,000 and so God doesn't leave us with nothing, but we often face things that without him we wouldn't have the ability to get through. And this little boy, besides his lunch, he had a willingness to give. And so he hands his lunch over to Jesus. And so now the lunch is no longer the little boy's, the lunch is now Jesus's. And Jesus has the power. Um, and so Jesus thanks God for this lunch and for these loaves. Um, can we have that picture up again? Can we keep it up? Sorry. So he, he thanks God for these loaves, and they begin to hand out the bread. And then he thanks God for these fish. And as the disciples are um, handing this out, I wonder how long it took them to realize that they weren't running out. Like, you're handing out this loaf and it doesn't seem to be getting any smaller or like did it regenerate in their hand I have a lot of questions about it um and like who was in charge of splitting up the fish because that's gross um but like how long did it take them because in it in the story it says that the people the crowd recognize right away what happens like they eat and they're like this is the guy we need to make him king. But like, how long did it take the disciples? Because if it was me, I would have had a bad attitude, and I would have been like, this is dumb. I don't want to hand out this stinky fish and this loaf of bread, and I would have been like, you know, kind of dropping it to people. But over time, I would realize, like, I'm not running out. I only had one fish. I only had one loaf. How is this happening? And, and then... The people don't just eat their fill, there's leftovers. It says there's 12 baskets of leftovers. And so while this little boy and his lunch, his sacrifice was the conduit, the miracle wouldn't have happened without Christ. And Christ calls us to give ourselves to him. He asks that we be willing to give what we have and really to give back what we have because Christ gives us what we have. And so um, God has the power to do miracles without us. He doesn't need humans. Um, we see when Jesus goes into the desert for 40 days at the beginning of his ministry and he's tempted, um, one of the temptations is turn these rocks into bread. So we know that Jesus could have just turned around and turned some rocks into bread. Um, we know that he could make it rain food, essentially, because in as the Israelites were in the desert for 40 years, they would wake up every morning to manna on the ground that they would collect. And that is a miracle that God did not use people, but Jesus likes to partner with people. God wants to partner with us to do his ministry. 
And so he allows this young boy to be a part of this miracle. And he wants to allow you to be a part of miracles also. He wants to use you. So what, what do you have that you can give? And I, I bet that quite a few of you, you had something pop into your head right away. So what is the thing that pops into your head? What do you have that you can give to God? And I'm not, I'm not talking about a sin thing necessarily. What is a gifting that you have? What is something that you own that you can use? And it might be silly in your brain. Your, your brain might try to rationalize that that won't work. I don't have fancy things. I don't, you know. Um, I prayed for years for a house. And we got this little house out in Almsville. And it, we've been remodeling it. And I love my house, okay? This is not a derogatory about my house. I love my house. But it is a small house. We found out it's a little crooked. Nothing is really straight in it. Um, and when we were in the middle of some remodel projects, I was having people over and I was so embarrassed. I was like, my house, literally part of my wall was torn out um, behind a fireplace and you could see the studs. And I was like, I'm just so embarrassed at this house sometimes. And then I had some people over, and while we were there, this person who's at my house that I'm, like, embarrassed because it, it doesn't look perfect, she's like, Paula, your house is just so welcoming. And it's so cozy, and, like, your, our kids are just naturally comfortable here. And, like, she had all of these wonderful things to say about my house that I had been worried about because part of my wall was torn out. And in that moment, I realized that my house... I had been praying before we had bought our house that God would use my house, that my house would be a place that people would want to be. And God was answering that question even though it wasn't a perfect house, even though part of my wall was torn out. And over the years, as I've looked at my house through that lens, I see people wanting to be in my house. I see I don't see my house as, oh, it's just so small, I don't have enough room. I see, oh, well, I have this extra space that someone could stay in. Or I have, you know, um, last Thanksgiving, every bed in my house was full. Because I stopped looking at my house in, well, it's not perfect, and I started looking at my house in, well, what, what do I want to do with it? And one of the things that I had prayed for before we even moved in was that people would want to be there. And I have like 10 beds in my house. And last Thanksgiving, every bed was full. And my heart was just so full also, so happy that God was bringing people to my house. So what do you have? What little thing that's special to you do you have that you can offer to do ministry, that you can let God come into the middle of and do a miracle? And um, just back to my other examples, David was a teenager when he defeated Goliath. And when he was taken to King Saul, he, King Saul was like, you're too scrawny. You're never going to beat this guy. Like, even our, even our most fearsome warriors are afraid. But, but David wasn't afraid. That's what he had. He had the willingness. And that king, Sisera, when he fled from the battle and he came upon this tent, this woman, Jael, was there, and she offered him rest, but she actually assassinated him. 
because she was, she was willing to risk herself. She was willing to put herself into what needed to be done. And Esther was just a young orphaned woman and her family was living in exile and she was removed from her home and made queen of the land where she lived in exile. These people were not extraordinary people. They did extraordinary things because they were willing to do what God had for them. They were willing to give themselves over to God. And that's really scary, and I'm not saying that any of us should assassinate anyone, okay? That's a bad example, but it was just a lady at home, and God used her to defeat an evil king that a whole army couldn't defeat. This woman who was just, she was at home. Um, so uh, none of these miraculous events that they were a part of were because they were special. Um, and Charles Spurgeon, he, he talked about these five loaves of bread and um, can the worship team come back? I'm almost finished. Um, Spurgeon urges people to bring our ordinary ability in association with Christ. It will become sufficient for the occasion to which God in providence has called us. So God will not leave you empty-handed, but he won't, he may not give you something, um, he may not give you a feast for thousands. He might give you a small lunch, but you'll still have the small lunch, and through him, it will feed thousands of people. So God has given you everything that he needs to do a miracle. And so we need to be open to him using us, and we need to be, we need to live open-handed with God, where we're, we're not holding on to what we have, but we're willing to give back to him. Um, and even when our brain says, this isn't going to work, there's no point in doing this. And so today, um, as we worship in this last song, there will be some people up front um, who will pray for you, but I would just really like you to take this time and reflect on what, what has God given you? Where has God put you? Because he's going to, just like he's going to give you what he needs to do a miracle, he's going to put you in the place to where he can do a miracle with you. And so just be believing this week, but um, search your heart of what you have and where you can be, where you're placed, um, and how God can use you this week. And so, Lord Jesus, we, we love you. And God, we just thank you that you never leave us empty-handed. And Lord God, I just pray that this week um, we would see where you've placed us and we would see um, where there is need and where we can bring what we have to meet the need. But Lord God, I just pray that each person this week would see you do amazing things, uh, both in them and through them. In your name, amen.